All right, guys, we are in the middle of a podcast series called Elementary, subtitled Two Kingdoms, One Reality, where we are discussing (laughs) these two kingdoms, gods and Satan's, and how they impact our experience of reality, which also has two parts, natural, supernatural, right? And we're talking about how all those things work together, fit together, and culminate in our subjective experience of the world and our place within it, right? Today we're going to be talking about how we start to step into this journey towards the looking glass, right? We're trying to get back to the other side of a looking glass that divides these two worlds, these two kingdoms, God's Satan's, and the way they've ordered our world and our experience in the world and our understanding of meaning, purpose, and our identity, right? And so we start out in Satan's. And I think that's hard for for us to understand sometimes. Like it's really hard, actually. It's hard for us to look at ourselves clearly, see what's wrong clearly. So that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we begin to get in tune with our dark side, our subconscious, you could say, our shadow self, as some call it, our false self, as some call it. How do we begin to start to dig in to the dark places inside us? Today's episode is episode five. It is called Here There Be Dragons. Hey guys, this is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. <laughs> Let's get into it. I like this episode. I felt like I could have said the title like this. Here there be dragons, lad. <laughs> it's like, have you ever seen old maps of the world? You know, like ancient maps, right? There's always these dragons in the ocean or on the edges of the maps. And I listened to a guy named Jonathan Pajou, and he has a YouTube channel called The Symbolic World. He's a iconographer, and he really has spent a lot of time understanding the symbolism of the Bible. And he talks about why there are dragons often depicted at the edges of maps, at the edges of the world, because they symbolize the chaos at the edge of order. Jordan Peterson also talks about this in a lecture or part of a lecture called You Have to Face the Dragon to Get the Gold. We're going to visit that lecture as well, but uh, to... um, Jonathan Pajou's point. The reason that old maps have dragons at the edges is that there is this sense that there's always this chaos at the edge of the world. There is this chaos at the edge of our world, at the edge of our life. And like, we want an ordered world. We want the world to be safe, right? Here's something though about Satan's kingdom is he offers us safety. But sometimes safety is a prison. God is wild. God is adventurous, right? Like like Mr. Beaver said to Lucy, he's, he's good, but he's wild. God invites us into the adventure of discovering ourselves. Sometimes to discover ourselves, we have to go and fall off the map. We have to fall off the edge of the world. We have to enter this place of chaos. What does that really mean? We have to enter the chaos inside us. We have to go to the places we don't want to go. Um, <laughs> we're going to visit some scriptures as well in this discussion on Here There Be Dragons, on, on facing the dragons inside of us, the chaos inside of us. <clears throat> we're going to visit the Jordan Peterson lecture. I'm going to read a poem from Lewis Carroll's, um, I don't know if it's from The Looking Glass or Alice in Wonderland, but I'll start there. It's called The Jabberwocky. It's kind of interesting because I, 
I remember this a couple of days ago. I used to have the first part of this poem memorized. And then I remembered that. I'm looking for it. There it is. It's called The Jabber- Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. I remember this poem and it fits with this episode because it's about a dragon, this Jabberwocky character. I don't know in the books if this is a main character, but in Alice in Wonderland, the movie with Johnny Depp and others, she at the end she has to face the Jabberwocky, this dragon. She has to, f- to defeat the dragon, right? To, and, and she has to be prepared to, to face the dragon, right? This is kind of part of the journey for us towards the looking glass is that you know, towards God's kingdom is that there are dragons at the edges of our world. You could say there are dragons at the edge of the looking glass. Before we can pass through, we've got to face some darkness. We've got to face some dragons. That's what Alice had to do in that story. Here's the poem. I just really like this poem. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig in the slithy toves, did gear and gimble in the waba. All mimsies were the bora groves, and the momoraths outgraba. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the maxim foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree and stood a while in thought. And as in oofish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tugly wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead with, with its head. He went galumping back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabugous joy. Kula kule, he chortled in his joy. T'was brillig in the slithy toves. Did gear and gimble in the waba. All mimsies were the bora groves and the momoraths outgraba. <laughs> Baby, I think I got most of those jibber-jabber words, correct? They're, they're made-up words, and it's, uh, you know, hard to pronounce some of them. But, dude, what is this poem about? It's about a boy facing a dragon with his sword, and he slays the dragon, right? The beamish boy, the jabberwock, he takes his sword. You know, he has to face this dragon. He has a sword. Well, he's prepared, right? He's ready. He's got a tool. He's got some training. You don't go face a dragon just out of the gate, right? You need help. Scripture talks about this process in some terms, right? Scripture, the Bible, calls Satan a serpent, a dragon. Satan represents often the chaos in our world at the edges of our world, and we often don't want to see it. That's what Jordan Peterson talks about in this lecture. I'm going to go there next. If I can find it. There it is. The lecture is called... You have to face the dragon if you want to get the gold, okay? I'm going to just jump around. I have posted this. I've posted a, tran- a transcript of this conversation on my, <laughs> on my website, and I'll, I'll include a link to it in this podcast notes, okay? Here's Jordan Peterson talking about if you want, or you talking about you have to face the dragon if you want to get the gold. The idea is that if, you're, if you fall into a chaotic state and everything falls apart, there's the possibility that things can come back together, including what you've just learned in a new state. And so you can conceptualize that symbolically as the existence of a dead father at the bottom of the chaotic landscape. It's like there's something down there that's capable of reforming and reemerging that's, that incorporates the previous state but takes it further. And you're not going to find that unless you descend into this chaotic place where it feels like all order is gone. 
He's saying like there in your life there are there is this quest, right? There's this journey. It's not an easy journey. It's a journey into the darkness, into the chaos. You have to face something hard, something difficult like a dragon. You have to face something you don't want to face, right? But when you face it, you come back from the journey change. This is called the hero's journey. This is the essence of the hero's journey. You see it over and over and over again in movies about the hero. Like Batman and Luke Skywalker. They have to go to this dark place. They have to go to the darkness inside them. They have to face the darkness inside them. Remember when Luke Skywalker goes into the cave and he's facing Darth Vader and he cuts, he cuts him down and he cuts off his mask and what does he see? He sees his own face. He's confronting himself. He's confronting his fears. You have to confront your fears. Why are your fears there? Your fears are t- telling you something about yourself. God uses your fear to show you the areas in your life that are unsurrendered to him. The Holy Spirit is given to us like a guide. Jesus also is depicted in Hebrews as a trailblazer that goes before us and sets out a path for us to journey. But what is a part of that path in the Christian um, concept of things is that we have to take up a cross. We have to face some things. We have to face some hard things. We have to put some things to death in ourselves. That thing is often called the flesh, the self-willed life, which is our desire to do what we want. And what do we want? We want to do what's comfortable, what feels good, what is easy. And Peterson talks about this later in that talk. Um, Let me skip forward a little bit. So he says, and so what's the idea here? Well, Imagine there are things that come easy to you and that you f- you're fond of pursuing and that you're happy about pursuing. So you found those things and pursued them and you've mastered them. So you know all that. And then there's another place that you don't want to go. And so you haven't gone there and you haven't mastered it. And you're very small in comparison to it because you haven't mastered it. And so it has this monstrous aspect, right? He talks about this in terms, in lots of terms, like maybe there's, there's people in your life and you don't want to face them you don't want to challenge them but you know you need to but you're afraid right so you're avoiding things you're avoiding hard things he he uh, mentions <clears throat> carl jung who has this phrase in inventura i'm sure i said that wrong it means what you most want to find will be found where you least want to look and he tells the story of arthur's knights how they were looking for this holy grail, the thing above all things that was the most valuable. And they all decided to leave the castle in this forest that they were in. And they all decided to go into the place of the forest that looked to them the darkest. Now, they're just metaphor that Peterson uses to describe this idea, right? Peterson ends this this talk with this one last metaphor. Like I said, he's, he's got this idea from Carl Jung that you want what you want to find most is to be found where you least want to find it. And that idea is echoed in the prominent stories of dragons and gold. It's exactly the same idea, is that the dragon is this terrible thing. It's, terrible, it's a terrible predatory thing that lives forever and is very, very wise. It lives underground and it'll kill you. It'll burn you up in a second. And you, but it hoards gold. And so you have to go there into the dragon's lair if you're going to get the gold. And that's a representation of people's paradoxical relationship with reality. So that's, that's, this is Peterson, and he's giving a talk, remember. This is a transcription, so, you know, sometimes in a talk you stop in the middle of a sentence or a thought. But he says this thing at the very end. Facing your dragon represents people's paradoxical relationship with reality. What are we trying to do? 
in this journey. We're trying to travel back to reality, which means we are not living in reality truly as it is. And part of the problem is our perception is our fear. We're afraid of the looking glass and what it represents for us. It represents this quest to face the darkness, the chaos inside us, the fear. Because what? We talked about this in the second episode. Satan uses fear to drive us to his system. So he creates this system and says, hey, you'll be really safe here. Now, now all, all you got to do, though, is give up control. But it looks like you have more control here. But the system itself has, has imprisoned you in your fear. And facing your fear is the way you start to get out of it. Okay? Satan uses your fear to trap you. He uses your desire for control and safety. Like, you, you, what? That's what he said to Adam and Eve. You could be your own gods. You can do this better than God. You can take charge. You can master yourself, your life, your surroundings, your, your world, your reality. Wouldn't it be better? Well, it wasn't. We fell into chaos in our attempt to overcome chaos. We were tricked. Now to get out of the chaos, we have to face that we're in it, but we don't see it because we're acclimated to the world as we know it, as it's always been for us, we don't start out on the other side of the looking glass to start to see the fact that you really are apart from God, living in a chaotic state. To wake up, you have to start to go to the places you don't want to go, the places you're afraid to go. You've got to start doing the things you're afraid to do. I had this um, journey. The, the hero's journey in Greek mythology is also called uh, catabasis. It's also what we, we could call a revenant. A revenant is when someone dies and comes back. A catabasis is when a hero travels into hell and comes back. He goes on this quest into hell. And he comes back and it changes him because he faces death. He faces... I mean, hell represents the thing. Death and hell represent the thing we fear the most. Like, it embodies... It can be different for every person, but it embodies all the things we fear the most. Fear is, if I do this, I'll die. Fear is, if I say that, if I stand up here, if I face this thing, I won't make it. God through the Holy Spirit. I mean, I love scripture. Scripture is so much hope. Uh, one, of the, one scripture I don't have looked up, but it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godliness and life. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like the Spirit in us says, you can face it. You can overcome anything. Right? We have this victory in Christ through what? The cross. The cross is stop trying to be safe and control everything. And safe and controlling is like, let's build a prison in a world that's safe, but it's a small world. And the cross is let's crucify that desire to be safe. And let's face the things you think will kill you. Because on the other side is new life. What? Death, burial, resurrection. You have to actually go into hell. That's catabasis. I had a catabasis journey of my own last November. And almost a full year. I took a trip into hell. (laughs) Kind of. It was a motorcycle trip. It was a crazy trip. Um... So I had planned this trip. My wife and I last year, early, well, spring, springish, I don't know, early, late spring, put a house on the market we'd been renovating and flipping for two years. It was a live-in renovation. And one of the things that I said was like, hey, my kind of reward for myself out of selling this house is to buy myself a motorcycle and take a trip, a two-week trip. So we thought we'd sell the house in, you know, summer, late summer, early fall. But time passed. It didn't sell. We had to do some extra things to make it sell. 
And by the time it sold, it was um, September. I believe it was September. Late, perhaps. So, like, after that, you know, I started looking for a motorcycle, got a motorcycle. By the time I got around to taking this trip I had planned, it was early November. And, like, I was just learning to ride a motorcycle, right? It's really funny because I took the motorcycle riding test and passed it pretty easily. I'd been learning on my friend's motorcycle. He'd been teaching me how to ride. But the written test, I failed two times. And the third time I went to take it was the day I was supposed to leave on my trip. I took the test, passed it, left on my trip. It was cold. It was November. And I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. This trip was, well, I thought it would be this fun trip. It, it turned out to be a catabasis. I had to face fear. Like when you're on a motorcycle on, on the highway or on just going across country, like there, it's just different. Like the first night I remember I traveled out, I left, got my license, hurried up, got out, got into Tazewell, Tennessee and stayed the night. The next morning I woke up. Well, sorry, that night I was hit with a spiritual attack. I just felt this I'm sensitive to spirits, right? I think I've talked about that. I, might, I have the gift of spiritual discernment. So I felt these evil spirits attacking me all through the night. It was such a fitful rest. And what the spirits kept telling me was, you won't make it. You're going to die. This isn't good. This isn't safe. You shouldn't do this. But I knew God wanted me to. And so like, it was such a fitful night of sleep. And it was just heavy oppression. Like, I feel that in my body, mind, and heart. I just kept feeling this oppressiveness like, you won't make it. You won't make it. Don't do this. This is dangerous. Don't do what is dangerous. Be safe. I woke up in the morning. It was 29 degrees. There was ice on my motorcycle. It was wet. It had rained the night before. And I did not know what I was doing. And I felt like, dang, this is stupid. I really felt like maybe I should just turn back now. I wasn't that far from home. But in my heart, the spirit was saying, do you trust me? you know that I have put this before you. And I did know, and that's a different story how I knew, but I was very convinced I was meant to take this trip. Like God wanted me to take this trip. And God had already been telling me that it would be a catabasis. The, the couple months before, I, I actually watched the movie called The Revenant. And, you know, God just kept telling me over and over, this is going to be your journey into hell. It was kind of at the end of a seven-year season, of, which was a lot of experiences learning my spiritual sensitivity, encountering hell, and the chaos of hell, right? That's what we're talking about, encountering the chaos. But this trip was kind of like the culmination of that. I was taking this, this trip, and it was, it was causing me to confront my desire for safety in the midst of God's desire to teach me how to follow him, even when it's hard, even when I have to face my fears. And so, like, it's, it kind of went this way. Each day kind of got a little easier the first night was the hardest the next day was the hardest ride i had it was very very cold it was the longest trip it it was an eight-hour trip from taswell tennessee to huntington west virginia i decided to take back roads because i was unexperienced didn't feel comfortable on the highway it took longer because of that i ended up on this windy kentucky road 66 and it was crazy i was in the middle of nowhere i didn't know if i would run out of gas there were no gas stations and it just felt like this crazy and I'm on a motorcycle I'm not in a car I don't have the amenities of a heater right it just felt like I was in the middle of nowhere I felt like I was I was out on a limb and 
something could go really bad, but I trusted and I had to really learn that God was with me. Each day got better. Each day those, that spiritual oppression grew less. At the end of that trip, I came back. I made it. I survived. I had this journey these two weeks on the motorcycle. It really caused me to confront some of my fears. God led me to that. That's kind of what it's like. That's kind of what Peterson's talking about. You know, we got to face these dragons. The thing you want the most is where you least want to find it, right? But that Jung quote, um, how do we do that? That's part of the journey of getting to the looking glass. God is going to tell you, he's going to help you, he's going to guide you to face hard things because those are the things that are keeping you from him. They're obstacles, they're resistance, they're blocks. They're the things that say, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't try that. Be afraid. Play it safe. Don't take risks. Like, I, can't, I can tell you, like, the last seven years, like, as I've said, I had a breakdown. I've had to confront a lot of chaos and darkness. I've had to f- confront evil spirits. Um, most of that process has been confronting fear. Things I didn't want to see. Things I didn't want to confront. And God's taught me to take risks. The only thing that really got me through most of that time was I knew God wanted me to do something and I did it. So the process was, okay, God. The process was prayer. Okay, God, I'm in this place. I feel stuck. I don't know where to go. I need direction. God's like, okay. You know, through a process, it's like, I think God's wanting me to do this. I'm very afraid to do this, but... Because I feel like God wants me to do it, I'm going to try it. I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to step out. It looks like sometimes I'm stepping out off of the edge of a cliff and I don't see anything solid beneath me. But I know God wants me to do this step of faith. I'm going to try it. I'm afraid, but I'm going to push through that fear. I'm going to take risks. And like these last seven years have been hard, but my wife and I have started our own business. We've gone out on our own. I've learned so many things. I've started this podcast. I've started doing things that I was afraid to do and and confronting fear. Because that's the basic journey we're on with God. God doesn't want you to play it safe. A blessed life in God isn't everything's easy and the money's flowing and the bigger houses and the bigger cars and the nice stuff and comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. No, it's very uncomfortable. As Peterson said, the things you want the most are where you least want to find them. But what does Scripture say? Let's go to Scripture. Oh, (laughs) well, I forgot. My story this time, I have a story each time. My story this time is The Hobbit. Right? We know that story. We're going to use The Hobbit this time, and we're going to use The Lord of the Rings next time. But that was was, uh, Bilbo's journey. I almost said Frodo. Bilbo's journey was to face a dragon. (laughs) Right? Smog. But like... The thing about Bilbo was that where he was at before that journey was safe, comfortable. Like, he lived in the Shire. The Shire was this place in a world, and in the larger world, there was darkness creeping in. In the larger world, there was a dragon, there was an evil sorcerer, there was Sauron, there was Soramon, right? So, but Bilbo was comfortable. In his little world, things were fine. At the edges of his world, there was chaos. And like, he is kind of tricked and enticed to leave the comfort of the Shire and go on this incredible journey. 
That journey led him to a dragon. It led him to a wider world. It led him to see that there was something that eventually found its way back to the Shire. And if he hadn't confronted it, it would have even corrupted the Shire. Like, he was safe. He was comfortable in the Shire. He didn't know there was this chaos at the edge of his world that was creeping in and could eventually even destroy the safety of his little world. He was drawn into a journey to confront it. He had to face a dragon. He was empowered, though, with a magic ring. Like, along the journey, he faced fears. He found things. He learned things. He developed skills and resources and tools. And in the end, he was able to face a dragon and help defeat a dragon. And he helped defeat an even more powerful source. Force. Sorcerer. Evil spirit. Sauron. Sauron. I think uh, Sauron came from Melkor, if you read the Silmarillion. I've read a lot of Tolkien's books. <laughs> but, um, like, that's, that's what it's like for us. Like, sometimes we're safe and comfortable. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong in my world. But at the edges of their world, there is something wrong. And if you don't go after it, it'll come after you, <laughs> right, in the end. That's, go- that's the gospel story, too, is, like, everything is not all right. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And what you can't see often is the most dangerous So what you don't want to see is what you need most to see to find a new path to new things. Into the chaos, back out of the chaos with a new order, new skills to become a new person. Really, to go through the looking glass and start to see the world the way God orders it because you're trapped in a world that's working for you, but it's actually very, very wrong. There's something wrong with it. All right. From Peterson to Hebrews chapter 4. I mentioned Hebrews already. uh, Jesus, you know, since we have such a great high priest, let us consider, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think that comes after this Hebrews 4 passage. So Jesus took this journey into death, came back out victorious. He sets an example for us, right? But before that, there's this message about entering rest, about coming to a place of peace, right? Peace, rest, shalom. It's a Jewish concept. Shalom is really things as they ought to be. Like the idea here is that there is this rest to enter because where we are is not that. It, to, to us, it seems good, but we don't have anything to compare to it. If all you know seems good, how do you know it's really good? You're on the other side of the looking glass. So let's read Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us carefully, or let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. He's saying, Look, we have a promise of entering rest. Are you a Christian? There's a promise before you of rest. Just because you've become a Christian doesn't mean you've entered God's rest. Doesn't mean you've come through the looking glass into the other side. Doesn't mean you've confronted your dragons. The chaos at the edge of your world. He says, let us be careful that... He's talking to Christians. Be careful that none of you fall short. And then he talks about the Jews. He's like, the Jews were called out of this land of slavery, Egypt. They went through a desert which was hard. They came to the promised land. And they failed to enter because they weren't prepared by the journey to enter rest. So, talking about rest, right? What do you want most in life? Peace. 
things as they ought to be. You want your life to be good. You want your life to be at peace. You want your heart to be at peace, your mind to be at peace, your body to feel at peace. What are you doing? You have to confront the things robbing you of peace. Paul, or sorry, the Hebrews writer in verse 6 says, Therefore, since it is still... Since it, sorry. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of the disobedience, God said, set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time ago he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay, it's another clue. He's like, the Israelites didn't enter in. Why? Well, what did they do? Do you know they rejected God's voice? When God came upon the mountain to give the law, and the mountain shook and a cloud descended and it was, it was terrifying. And they, they told Moses, we don't want to go near God. You go for us. They were like, heck, you do it. We don't like it. It's too hard. They encountered God. To them, it felt like chaos. Think about that. When you live in Satan's order, where you feel in control, when you start to confront God, it feels like chaos. Why? Because God says, give up your control. Let me guide you. What? Think about it. Jesus author, perfecter of our faith. It's a trailblazer. What does that mean? I'm, not, I'm no longer in charge of my life. If all you've known is being in charge of your own life and figuring out what's best for yourself and trying to pursue it, it will be scary to begin to let go of that control and give it to God, to surrender. God will feel like entering chaos when the order you're used to is your own control. But God knows your own sense of control is really you submitted to Satan's system which is death. So you have to face the death in that system because Satan says, don't do that or you'll die and find out that that's actually the way to life because what it means is you're dying to your control and starting to be reborn into God's control. But it feels like you're entering chaos because the system you're in. What, What did I say? That system is designed to tell you you don't need God. God's not even there. Reality is just the natural, not the supernatural. There's no, there's no meaning beyond the natural. That's naturalism and uh, uh, not materialism but I don't think it's realism but maybe that's what it's called too Um, anyway right that's Satan's system Satan's like I'm not here God's not here it's not real it's just material you're in control you're in charge and if you're if you don't try to control your life who will If you're not trying to get what you need for yourself, you'll die. Survival of the fittest. And God is like, give all that up. I know what's best for you. I really can guide you. And the steps along that journey are scary. It looks like chaos to us. Because what does he say from David? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If what you need to hear God's voice, God's going to tell you, give up, surrender, let go, let me lead. Don't harden your hearts. Don't say, oh, that's too hard. I don't want to hear that. God, I don't like a God that's not safe. I like my comfortable Christianity. I just go to church. I just give my 10% and 90% is left for me. And God's like, no, I need 100% of you, of everything. You, your focus, your attention, your time, your money, everything. Because I have something good for you, but you won't get there if you're following 10% of me and 90% of yourself. Don't harden your hearts. You got to be able to hear God. That's so important. What's God going to say to you? Let go. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me if you want to be my disciple. It's what Jesus said. Verse 9. There remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Did you hear that? Do you hear that? The Hebrews author is saying there remains a Sabbath rest for people who know and follow God. If you're a Christian, 
there still remains a rest you've not entered. There is a place you're still traveling towards, what we could call heaven, the kingdom of God. Shalom, peace, rest. You ain't got there just because you're baptized in the water and you go to church every Sunday. There's a journey. of Are you confronting the chaos, the dragons in your life? And then he ends this section and these, all these thoughts about rest and hearing God with verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is, uh, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Bam! Drop the mic. <laughs> the word of God, the Holy Spirit is alive and active. It's living and active. It's so sharp. It's like a double-edged sword. That's a sword that is so sharp it pierces. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, like to the very heart of everything you are. Even It even sees into your physical body. The Holy Spirit can pierce into you and say, this is what's going on and this is what needs to change. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit in every season and going, okay, the Holy Spirit wants me to work on this in this season. Okay, the Holy Spirit is asking me to take this motorcycle trip in this season. And it's, he's told me it's going to be a catabasis. It's going to feel like I'm journeying into hell and death. I'm going to have to confront my fear of losing my very life in following God and trusting that even if I don't make it, I will. Or even if I don't think I make it. Like, that's what I, on that, and that night in Taswell, and in that morning in Taswell when I felt like I could die, that's what I felt. That's what that, that oppressive spiritual evil spiritual energy was telling me. You could die. And you know what I had to say? I know God wants me to do this. And even if I die, I'm still going to do it. That was what Job said. Even if he slays me, yet will I hope in him. And that verse reference tattooed on my body, by the way, because that's been my seven years of learning to surrender to God. Is It feels like I'm dying, God, but I would rather move forward into this chaos and die than shrink back and not follow you because... I really believe that no matter what I do, you'll hold me. I had so many confrontations with fear during my seven years learning to trust God. One of them was a swing stage on the side of a 35-story building in Houston, Texas. And I had a lot of spiritual attack over that and fear. For six months, I knew it was coming. And I mean, I was like waking up in the middle of the night in a panic attack kind of fear. And God was using that to cause me to confront my own fears and to say, Do you trust me? Get up on that stage and trust that I am watching over you. Don't trust your own sense of things. Don't let fear lead the way. Fear does not lead us to God. Fear is the tool of the enemy to lead us away from God. If you're running from the things you're afraid of, if you're unwilling to go to the things you want to go to, the least to find the things you need the most, you won't get there. (laughs) Okay. Ah, Crazy. Sorry, I'm looking for an earlier verse I looked up. And I don't know where it went. Here we go. Yes. Well, this was Jeremiah 17. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve, right? It's another verse that says, like, you can't know your own heart. Don't trust your own sense of things. You're being driven by fear in a system that says be safe. Control everything you can for your own benefit. Never let go 
get more, control more. Try to take, take, take. And God says, let it all go. Right? It was just kind of an auxiliary verse. On the journey towards the looking glass and the other side where God awaits with a different kind of kingdom. That journey has all kinds of fears that we're going to have to confront. You're going to have to go to the places you least want to to get the things you want the most. Do you want life with God? Do you want to see reality in a different way? Do you want to have the blessings of God? Do you want to have peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit? You're going to have to learn to follow the Spirit. What's it like to follow the Holy Spirit? The first thing that the Holy Spirit will often start to do is cause you to confront the things you don't even want to see in yourself. Fear. Because you're caught up in a system whose essence and energy, whose elementary principle is be afraid you could die. And God says, perfect love casts out all fear. God says, don't be afraid. You'll never die. Eternal life. Satan says, be afraid. You could die. God says, don't be afraid. You won't die. Satan's system is bound up by fear and death and the power of fear and death. You've got to confront that power. It is powerful. And we're on the other side of the looking glass in a system that seems to echo that reality. So to start to journey back towards the looking glass and get to the other side, we've got to start to confront our fears. I was talking with my brother a week ago, and he's really, he struggled with depression his whole life, and so have I. I've found ways through the guidance of God and the Holy Spirit to confront those fears, and he hasn't. But that's what we were talking about. I was just saying to him the same thing, like, just start to confront the things in you that you haven't before. You've been running and running and running from them your whole life. Now you've got to stop. And you need help. We all need help. We can't do it alone. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to learn how to hear God and follow the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians, keeping step with the Holy Spirit. But we also need community. We need people encouraging us. We need a church community, perhaps, some kind of community, however you can find it, but you need people that are going to encourage you on this journey. You can't do it alone. But the journey is facing fear. God's going to lead you. Hopefully God leads you to people who can also help, encourage, support you along the way. The path is a journey out of one system and into another because we live in one reality with two kingdoms. Those kingdoms are elementary invisible, but they affect everything about everything in the world. Hey guys, we all have a catabasis. We all have a hero's journey. We all have a quest. We all have chaos at the edges of our world. We all have dragons we have to face in order to get the gold and the good of God, the rest, the peace, the shalom find out who we truly are, who we're truly meant to be, to come through the looking glass, to get to the other side, to start to live life according to God's plan, purpose, design. It has everything to do with two kingdoms and one reality, natural, supernatural, two sides of the same coin. My friend likes to say, there's three sides to a coin. There's the edge. The edge is the looking glass. The edge is God. The edge is the thing that we need to 
pass through to get to the other side. We're on a journey. But it all comes back to elementary things that we cannot see on our own. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God. We need wise spiritual elders to guide us. People like Jordan Peterson. People like Jonathan Peugeot. For me, I've had to look in strange places because most of my church experience has not given me the tools to confront my own dragons. I hope this is helping you learn to confront yours. Hey guys, thanks for listening. This has been a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. Next time we'll talk about the bigger epic journey, The Lord of the Rings. Love you guys. Bye.